Aren't you glad that grace got you? <clears throat> Today we're going to start a new series called Why? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, why? Because the pastor said so. <laughs> why? It's, it's a part of our vocabulary, especially when we were younger. I used to get in trouble in school for asking why. They would tell me something and I would say, why? I just wanted to know. I, I, I wanted to know the why behind it. And sometimes people can't explain the why. And if you can't explain the why, then folks are going to want to know, then why should I listen? <laughs> why? So today we're going to start with why. I, now I'm just going to give you one point in all of these whys, and then we'll move on to some other whys next week. But this week I want to touch on why I believe why I love him, why I have purpose, and why I've been baptized. Everybody say it one more time, why? Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word that it declares the why. I ask God that you'll help us to open our hearts and accept it now. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I can move forward, I need to take a step backward. Sometimes you've got to back up to look at something before you can proceed. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been working on a project or something and it seems like nothing's fitting right and you, you just have to back up and take a look at it and think, what am I doing wrong here? And when you back up, you can see the whole picture. This backing up in Scripture is referred to as type and shadows. So, if you will, I want you to take a step back with me to the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. You can go there and uh, read later if you want to. You can go there now, but, or mark it down. I'm just going to tell you what's there. When you back up, first of all, let me explain a type and shadow. Have, how many of you have ever seen a picture taken of a Thanksgiving meal? I mean, that looked good. Had the turkey, golden brown mashed potatoes with giblet gravy, had pumpkin pie, and, and, and what else is on a turkey? I mean, what else goes on a Thanksgiving? Green beans and candy yams and, man, I'm hungry already. Have you ever seen a picture like that? that, that I mean, it, it looked good enough to eat. Any of you ever, wave your hand if you've ever seen a picture like that. So here's my question, did you eat the picture? No. Why? Because it's a type. It's a shadow, if you will. It's just a snapshot of something else that is, that's real, that has substance. Have you ever been walking down the road with the sun in your face? And if you look behind you, what do you see? You see your shadow. And that shadow follows you. You can try and run away from it, but it just keeps right there. It mimics your motions. It's doing what you're doing, but that's not me. What's on that blacktop isn't me. It's just a shadow of me. And so the Old Testament gives us shadows, types and shadows of things that are pointing to something else. If you go into the book of 
Exodus in the 13th chapter, there's a type in shadow there. They're coming out of Egypt and they've been instructed by God that when they get to the new land that they're going to possess, that the firstborn male of every animal belongs to God. Firstborn male belongs to him. And you have to offer that animal as a sacrifice to God. There are only two things that God would not accept as a sacrifice. It was a man. He would not accept a man as a sacrifice. So you could not sacrifice your son. Instead, you had to redeem your son by sacrificing a lamb. The other thing that God would not accept as a sacrifice is a donkey. Now tell me what a man and a donkey have in common. They're both stubborn. Say, hello, shadow. (laughs) Following me wherever I go. And so God would not accept a donkey as a sacrifice. You had to redeem the donkey with a lamb. Now having looked at that and keeping that type and shadow in mind, I want you to step forward with me now into the book of Mark, the 11th chapter, starting with verse 1. When they were entering, or when they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a donkey's colt tied. Everybody say, a donkey's colt, which has never been ridden. Somebody say, it's never been broke by anyone. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say, the Lord needs it. In the King James Version, it says, the Lord has need of him. Everybody say, the Lord has need of him. And immediately he will send it there. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door. Everyone say the door. Without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. Now, if we're going to follow the type and shadow, I need to be able to give you a visual aspect of this. So, Brian... That donkey that's tied by a door symbolizes us. Everybody say Brian. (laughs) See, we're we're all right with it symbolizing Brian, but the truth is, is we're all that donkey tied by the door. Now, let's take a look at what's going on here. They found a colt tied where two ways met, but he's secured. Everybody say he's secured. Check this out. He can't get away. God has made sure that we don't wander off. How many of you know that if it had not been for the hand of God, you wouldn't be here right now? Even when you didn't know him, He knew you. He secured you. 
He made sure that you weren't going anyplace. And so he's tied off. No one has ever set on him. He has, he has never been broken. We're going to change all that today. He's, he's never been broken. Now, you say, what's that got to do with us? Well, there's something else you need to know in that book of Exodus. It said that if you don't redeem that donkey with a lamb, then you have to break the donkey's neck. Don't tempt me. <laughs> so say this with me. If it ain't broke, break it. What, what's that got to do with us? Our will. Our will has to be broken. Now, in Scripture, it says that whoever falls on that rock, and that rock is Christ, whoever falls on that rock will be broken. But whoever that rock falls on will be ground to powder. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm not playing. He's saying that, look, I'm giving you a choice. I've made sure that you haven't wandered away from me. I've kept you where you're at so you didn't wind up destroyed. But you need to understand something, that if you don't willingly come and give up your will, just fall and be broken and allow me to come into your life, then there's going to come a day that if you don't fall on me, I'm going to fall on you. And when I, if I fall on you, it's going to ground you to powder. Say it with me one more time. If it ain't broke, break it. How many of you like to get your way? How many of you are married to someone that likes to get their way? See, some of these guys are afraid to raise their hand because they know that she's going to get her way when she gets him home. <laughs> Everybody say broken. Isn't it odd that the only way that we can come to God is to first be broken? You can't come to God out of your intellect. You have to come to God from your heart. Scripture said that he confounds the wise, but he uses foolish things to confound the wise, the foolishness of preaching. You say, well, that didn't make any sense. That guy's got a guy up here with a rope around his neck tied to a pulpit. <laughs> he needs to be broken. We all have to be broken. So let me talk to you about why I believe from this scripture, this passage. It's a type and a shadow. Why I believe is because he knew where I was. I didn't go looking for him. He came looking for me. He told those disciples, he said, you're going to find in this town, you're going to find a donkey tied by a door where two ways meet. He said, I want you to go and I want you to unloose him and I want you to bring him to me. And if anybody asks you why you're doing it, you tell them because I need him. I believe. He knew where I was. I was tied by a door 
at a crossroads where two ways met. Let's take a look at the door, tied by a door. Jesus says in Revelations 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Everybody say, you have to open the door. How many of you have ever had somebody knocking at your door and you didn't open it? Matter of fact, you ran and hid. You know exactly what I'm talking about. My, my, when I was a kid, we would have some folks come to visit us once in a while. My parents really didn't want to come and visit us. Oh, they liked to visit, but they didn't know when to go home. So I never forget that one day that we were, they, they came to visit, and all of a sudden, everybody ran to hide. Don't say anything. And they knocked at the door and knocked at the door, and nobody answered the door. See, I'm not the only one that's ever done that. Debbie did that too. Their parents had her hide. We were sinners. They weren't. <laughs> Their parents hid. She wasn't, oh, you weren't, she wasn't born when this happened. Their parents hid, and they had, they had the children hide. And then all of a sudden, they finally opened the door because the knock wouldn't go away. And when they opened the door, the little her brother ran out and said, we was hiding from you. <laughs> Your sins will find you out. <laughs> See, we've all done that, haven't we? We felt God knock at the door of our heart. We felt the tinge, the pull of the Holy Spirit, but we hide from it. We act like, oh, it's not, it, it, it's not affecting me, it's not touching me, and we just try and suppress it because we don't want to answer the door. Biggest fear I had in my life was that the knock would go away. He said, my spirit won't always strive with man. So when you hear the knock, you need to run to the door. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, he said, I'll come in and I'll have some fellowship with you. I'll sup with you, and you'll sup with me. It was a place where, a crossroads where two ways met. Listen to this, in Ezekiel 34 and 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. What's God saying? God's saying, I'm not going to let you die without me knocking on your door. I'm not going to let you pass for this, from this life without me searching you out and finding you and giving you an invitation to follow me. I'm going to, I'm going to search you out. He told those disciples, he said, this is where that sheep's at. You go, or, you go, or that donkey's at. You go and get it. Bring him to me. Anybody tries to stop you, tell him I have need of him. He sought us out. Somebody say he's looking for me. In Psalms 32 and 8, he said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's why I believe is because he knew me. I didn't come to God looking for God. I didn't even know if there was a God. I thought there probably was. 
I wasn't raised in church, didn't know anything about him, but I unmistakably sat in a church house and felt someone apprehend my heart. I didn't understand what was going on. As a matter of fact, I was trying to get out. I thought, man, get me out of this place. My brother Paul was with me, and I looked over at Paul to say, let's leave. Paul was laid over in the pew, shaking like this, and I thought, oh, God, what's going on? Apprehended. Somebody say it with me. He, his will was broken. I'm telling you the greatest thing that will ever happen to you is when your will breaks and it surrenders to the will of God. That's why I believe when you say, why do you love him? Did you ever feel like that no one needed you? Did you ever feel like you were all alone and just left? And The reason I love him is because and John says it this way in 1 John. He says, we love him because he first loved us he makes a statement and he says you tell them i have need of him that ought to make you feel special to think that god needs me say it with me god needs me see we make the statement all the time well god doesn't have to have me but i have to have him not according to his word According to his word, he needs you. Maybe we ought to look at the word need and break it down so we really understand how God feels about us. The word need in Greek means want. See, it's more than I need you. It's I want you. See, I can survive without Debbie, but I don't want to. I, I want her. When I, I told you last week when, you know, I, I first started dating her, I, I gave her my ring, and I told her, you can still date other girls. And I mean other girls. Dear God, help us. That's a, that, that, that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> that, you, that you can date other guys, and I'll date other girls. And then I got to thinking about it. See, I was just focused on me getting to date other girls. I wasn't really thinking about her dating other guys. But on the way home, I started thinking about her dating other guys. And the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. So I called her up and I said, you remember what I told you? She said, yeah. I said, well, forget it. I said, I don't want you dating anybody else. I, I wanted her for me. See, God's a jealous God. I'm not going to share with you what else I told her. She said, I can. I told her, I said, look, I could get violent. I wasn't talking about with her. I was talking about with whoever was trying to hang out with her. God is a jealous God. Not only does he want us, he doesn't want to share you. He said, do, do you, let me ask you. So I'm in Trinidad. And when I'm in Trinidad, there's a guy I see out at the ocean early in the morning, and he's throwing flowers, and he's going through a ritual. And I, 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 I figured out he was praying. Well, later I end up talking to him about Jesus, and he looked at me and he said, I pray to Jesus. And I said, how many other gods do you pray to, Prim? His name was Prim. I said, how many other gods do you pray to? And he looked at me, and man, I felt the Spirit of God come over me. And I said, Prim, he's not interested in being one of many. He's the only one. I, I said, he doesn't want you praying to other gods. And then all of a sudden, man, I looked at him. I said, let me ask you a question, Prim. How would you like it if your wife came up to you today, hugged your neck and kissed you, and said, baby, I love you with all my heart, and Monday she was hugging somebody 
somebody else and kissing them and saying, I love you with all my heart. And Tuesday, and I said, in every day of the week, she had a different man loving on. Man, his composure changed. And I didn't realize that's exactly what was going on. That's exactly what his wife had been doing. I didn't find out until later. And when I looked at him, I said, Prem, I said, you have to understand. He wants you. And he wants to be the only one in your life. And God is my witness. All of a sudden, he, he, his eyes got big and he took off out of the building. And, and the people that were there with me said, did you feel that? And I thought, well, yeah, I felt it. I wouldn't have said it if I hadn't felt They said, no, no. The earth shook. And I looked at him, I said, look, I didn't feel the earth shake, but I felt what I was saying. I get the newspaper the next day, and it tells about there being an earthquake on that island and the earth shaking. I'm telling you, God knows exactly where you're at, and he knows how to get your attention. Somebody say it with me. He wants me. Because he wants me, I love him. You know what else that does? He needed me or he wanted me for a reason. Everybody say, he has a reason. I don't just have him up here hung on this pulpit for no purpose. He has a purpose. And he's waiting to find out what that purpose is. Come on, how many of us have been there? God, I, look, Lord, I, I love you, you know, but I, I don't have any purpose. I, I don't, how many of you have ever said that? We've all said it, haven't we? I, I don't have a purpose. If only I knew what my purpose was, I'm going to reveal to you today that you have a purpose. A lot of times we feel like, well, we've got no purpose. But the word need also means employed in the Greek. Somebody say, he's my employer. <laughs> Not only does he need me, he wants me. Not only does he want me, he wants me to work for him. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, let's take a look and see what the donkey did. They took the donkey into town, and what did the donkey do? The donkey carried the gospel. Are you with me? You say, what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to carry the word of God and the love of God with you everywhere you go. Now, here's my question. We, we talk about this. We talk about this, that, that, this, you know, that God wants us, that he needs us. But there's something that we forgot or that we just barely mentioned. And that's this, this that he has never been rid, rode, ride. No one's ever been on his back. Somebody say, get off my back. How many times have we said that? How many times have we felt that? We've done that. Get off my back. I don't want anybody on my back. Now, this is a donkey. This is Brian, but it, okay, use your imagination. This is a donkey that no one has ever sat on before. What's going to happen if I sit on him? He's getting ready to kick and buck and snort and snot and, 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 and get mad. But they took that donkey to Jesus. And when Jesus got on that donkey's back, that donkey didn't do anything. Why? Because the Prince of Peace just settled in over him. Thank you. 
You can go sit down. Thank you. So this is what happens. When your heart, when you give up your will for the will of God, you're broken. And the Prince of Peace settles in over your heart. So all your fussing and fighting leave you. You, and sometimes you're trying to figure out where did it go? What happened to me? Because you don't feel the same anymore. Friends start coming up looking at you and going, what happened to you? When I started telling them, they decided they didn't want to know what happened to me. See, I was so excited to tell it because it was so real to me that going to church wasn't about a routine or a ritual, that it was birthed out of a relationship that I found with him. And that relationship changed my life forever. That's why I love him. It's why I believe in him, and it's how I know I have purpose. You've been called to carry him. But what about the way you carry him? I need to borrow somebody besides Brian. David, come up here real quick. See, the way you carry him is as important as the message you're carrying. Now, I can jump up. So if I carry him like this, he's enjoying it, right? Maybe. I'm not, I'm not enjoying it too much. But he was enjoying it. But what about if I carry him like this, lean? See, it's a lot easier for me. I can, hang on, hang on a second. Oh, I need to go up here and get something I forgot. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. What's your point? My point is that is if I'm carrying Christ to you and I'm jostling you around with a message, I'm up in your face and I'm telling you what a rotten person you are and how you better get your act straightened up, your response is going to be to back away from me. But what if I were to tell you how much he loves you? What if I were to tell you that when you felt like you were alone, you really weren't. And that the hand of God kept the devil from taking you out because he has a purpose for your life. And all he wants you to do is tell others about what he's done for you, about how much you love him. That's how I know he's real. We talk about, the last thing I'm going to speak to you about today is baptism. Why am I baptized? See, here's the thing. We can come to church and we can sit in the church, but if we don't know the why behind coming here, then we're really just going through the motions of it. You need to know the why. He loved you so much he'd rather die for you than live without you. So that's why we love him. Baptism, we talk about symbolism. Baptism is about being buried with him. When I'm buried, I'm burying the old man. The scripture says in Corinthians that old things are passed away. 
behold, all things become new. But if all I'm doing is going down in the water and coming up out of the water, then I'm just getting wet. I understand that the only thing that can save me is the blood of Jesus. That baptism in and of itself will not save me. Well, then why be baptized? It's about following him. Say it with me, follow him. You know, if I say that, well, I, I, I want to follow you. I, I want to be a part of this church. I want to I follow the leadership of this church. But anytime that I make a decision you don't like, then you really weren't sincere in about the following. Now, look, I'm a man. I'm subject to mistake, but I'm talking about following God. He don't make mistakes. So you need to understand he made you and he don't make mistakes. <laughs> you've got a purpose. You've got a plan. He's got a reason for you. Everybody say follow. So take a look at this in Matthew 3, starting with verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John tried to talk him out of it. And he said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to be baptized by him. Let's go back. The donkey and the man takes a lamb. Can't offer them as a sacrifice. God said, no, you're not going to kill them. I want you to redeem them. You have to redeem them with a lamb. And John sees Jesus coming from a distance. And he looks and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus walks up to him and says, Baptize me, John. John says, Are you kidding me? You've never sinned. You've never, you've never done anything wrong. I need you to baptize me. And he said, no, John, you do this because I want to fulfill Scripture. I want everybody to understand that when they follow me, that I'm not asking them to do anything I haven't done myself. Follow me. Somebody say it with me. Follow me. I want to follow him into all truth. Look, if there's a guy and he's sitting in a house, and the house catches fire, and he's at the table drinking coffee. And I run up to him, and I said, hey, hey, come on, come on, follow me. I know the way out of this house. And he looks at me, and he takes a sip of coffee. He said, oh, that's great. I'm glad you do. And I go, no, 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 you can't just sit there. Come on, follow me. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead you out of this house. And he takes another sip of coffee, Mike, and he looks at me, and he said, well, it's just enough that I know, or that it's just enough that I believe that you know the way out of this house. And because I believe you know the way out of this house, I'm going to be fine. That, my friend, is foolish faith. And so is it when you say, well, all I have to do is believe that Jesus is Lord. Don't take one scripture and try and make a doctrine out of it. You have to follow him. Follow him. 
Everybody say it with me. Follow him. You know, if I'm in a cave, which I have been at times, man, I was in a cave. We went down. What was the name of that place? It wasn't a cave. I was in Mammoth Cave, and they turned all the lights out. I could not see my hand in front of my face. But I'll tell you, one hand had a hold of my father's hand. And I wasn't about to let go because <laughs> I thought he got me in here. He's going to get me out of here. He's not going to lead me someplace that he can't get me out of. Oh, somebody get with me today. He, he knows what he has for our life. So you don't get to sit back and say, well, you know, I'm not the preacher, so I'm just going to sit back and listen to everybody, you know, and then, and then that's just all, my, all I do. No, 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 no. You have been employed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to share this gospel, to carry his love. You have a job. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, time to go to work. <laughs> you are loved. How many of you have ever been unlovable? Nobody wants to admit it, huh? <laughs> Haven't you, you ever been a rascal? You know, I'm talking about you ever just act up and act out. And, and he loves you in spite of it, not because of it, but in spite of it. You know, when I was, I, I don't really remember this, but from all the recollections of my mom and my siblings that when I was born, and it's a little embarrassing to say this, but I messed up a few diapers. <laughs> Made a lot of messes when I was born. Mom never, and we did, she didn't have pampers, folks. Mom had those cloth diapers. And there was five of us kids, and there were times that she had three babies in one diaper. I mean, in not one diaper, but she had. <laughs> That's a feat. She had three babies in diapers all at one time. She didn't throw me away because I messed up. She cleaned me up. God's not wanting to throw you away. He wants to clean us up. Would you stand with me right now? God, I give you thanks for it. I think about what he's done for us and how he wants us and how that we're, we're buried with him. Everybody say buried with him. It's important to have someone in the grave with you. <laughs> what are you talking about? In Scripture, watch this, type and shadow. In Scripture, there's a prophet named Elisha. Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He's buried. He died. They buried him. His, the only thing that's left of him is bones. And those bones are in a grave. And there's this man that just recently died, and his friends have him, and they're carrying him to bury him. And all of a sudden, raiders come in, and they're thinking, man, I, can, I need to get out of here. And they take this man's body that's dead, and they throw it over in Elijah's tomb, in, his, in his, his grave. And when his body hit Elijah's bones, he came alive again. Can I tell you that they crucified him over 2,000 years ago? But when I found myself in his grave, I came alive in Jesus. Hear what I'm saying. He wants to to bring us to life. How many of you are ready to come to life? So this is my question for you today. If you've never been broken, if you're tied at that door, he's knocking. Answer the door and let him come in. 
If you've never surrendered, you've got two ways in front of you. One way leads to death. The other leads to life. Which way should you choose? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to my Father except through me. Somebody say, I'm ready. So if you're in here and you've never said yes, see, here's the thing. You say, why this message, Pastor? Because I begin to think, Santana, can I use you? for? So Santana came in and he talked to me. I don't know how many of you were here last week, but last week God did something very special for Santana. God apprehended his heart. Santana said, look, I'm telling you, to the point that he couldn't, he couldn't talk to me without his eyes being filled with tears. Apprehended his heart. He came up here last Sunday morning, and I mean, man, something touched him. Well, I know what touched him. It was God. And he put a death grip on my arm because he felt God. He surrendered his life. He told me how long had he been coming here, something like five years. And he said, today, I gave my life to God. Santana is a great guy. He always has been. We always thought there was something special about him. He had a kind spirit. But do you understand it doesn't matter how kind you are? You can't get there without him. So we need to say yes. You see, there's a huge possibility that you could be coming to church but not ready to make heaven your home. I don't want to take that chance with you. I love you enough that I want to tell you that unless you say yes to him, you're not going. He is the door. And he's waiting for you to open it up, fall on your knees, surrender your will, and say, here I am, God. Now, I want to leave you with this. If you've done that, but you haven't been baptized, my question is, what are you waiting for? I want to follow him. It's not about if I've been baptized. It's about, am I willing to follow? And I don't ever want to stop that journey. I want to follow him wherever he leads me. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I want God to use me. Well, you need to know that you are not just needed, you're wanted. <laughs> you're loved and you have a purpose. And he wants to breathe that purpose in you. So whatever your need is today, whether it's saying yes for the first time and surrendering your will, there's water in the baptistry. If you haven't been baptized and you say, I want to follow him, I'll follow you right into that baptistry. Say, oh, you need plenty of time. Look, we did this one day and we had, I think, 17 people end up in that baptistry, that service. Why? Because they wanted to follow him. So if you haven't done that and you want to do that, if you're here and you say, look, I just want him to use me. I, I don't want to just come to church and sit on a pew. I'd have never done it. If that's what living for God had been about, I would have never done it. There had to be a reality to God for me. And I'm so glad I found it, aren't you? 
So as they sang this song, if you're here and you need to make any of those steps, I want you to come when I get to three, all right? And this is what I'm going to tell you. If, if you want to be baptized, step up on the platform with me, okay? If you want to surrender and, break, and give your heart to him, just kneel down here. And that's an act of submission, of surrender. And if you're saying, I just want him to use me, then stand here with me as they sing this song. Are you ready? Right now, one, two, three. Sing it as they come. I want you to stretch your hands to heaven. Now look, he, he's serious. And if you're serious, there's something getting ready to happen. Yes. You're getting ready to feel and find purpose like you've never felt before. Look, man, I was 15 years old mopping a floor saying, Jesus, use me, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work I can do. I never dreamed I'd wind up in several other countries. I never dreamed I'd get the opportunity to share the gospel with thousands of people. And you know what? It's just the beginning. God has got great things in store for you. So as you raise your hands to heaven with me right now, I need some folks. Where's my ushers at? Come up here with me. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk by and lay hands on you, and I'm agreeing with you that God is going to use your life. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm also getting ready to go back there and baptize two people, and they'll put that up on the big screen. All right? All right. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And this is, what, this is what I want you to understand. The Bible said, you know the tree by the fruit it bears. So you've got to make sure you keep your tree pruned. I shared in the first service, I had a lemon tree. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was just thorns. It came up about so high as a trunk, and then it came up like this, and it was filled with thorns. I watched a bird die flying into that tree. A thorn pierced it. You couldn't reach in. Nobody came for lemons because it was too painful to get to the fruit. Hear me. If we're abrasive, if our, if we, we may have some, we may love God in our heart, but if our attitude is wrong, nobody wants what you got. So you've got to pray, God, make my heart right. Get my tree right. Make me tender, God. Cause my words to be words that bring life. Help my words to be words that bring hope and not destruction. 
as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. All I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm just touching and agreeing with you that God's going to do this. You believe he's going to do it? Stretch those hands and say, I believe. Lord is in this place. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in him and through him, God. I don't get this. What Some of those people fell down. Listen, the Bible said that no man can see God and live. When God touches you, something's going to happen. You may just feel chills go through you. You may have tears come out your eyes. Your knees may buckle. But something's going to happen. How many of you today felt his presence touch you? Just stretch your hands to heaven. That's, that, that, my friend, is a confirmation with two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Everybody say, he's alive, and he's well, and he's living in me. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. They're going to sing, I'll be right back with you. decision turn it if you would face, wave at everybody case <laughs> I turned and face this way face toward Matt she's made a decision today that she's going to follow Jesus all the way man I'm excited about that aren't you this is this is what it's about it's making that commitment it's why 
I'm baptized. I'm not doing it out of a ritual or routine. I'm doing it because I'm following him. So as you stretch your hands to pray, we're going to baptize Casey Renison. Phoenix Davis is making a proclamation of her faith and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. you and cause you to know you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And that's why we believe, we love, and we follow in Jesus' name. We love you all. Another young lady that's going to give her, that she's giving her heart to God right now and she wants to be baptized. So go ahead and sing. Go ahead and sing one more song and I'm going to lead her to the Lord.
baptize Aaron Colleen Vaughn. Amen. <laughs> She's taking on his name. Everything. You know that right now angels are in heaven are rejoicing, so it's all right if we do too.